Welcome to a special combined episode of Success with Style and Fun and Fundraising Podcast. I am your host, co-host today, Rob Giardinelli. Hi, everyone. It's Lance Avery Morgan. We are absolutely so glad to be here with you and with our special guests, Michael Harold and Quinn Peeper, who are the authors of Classical Shindig, which I think is going to be the biggest bestseller of the fall. I think so, too. From an entertaining perspective, there's nothing better. Well, here's hoping. I had seen an advanced galley proof of what you two wildly talented gentlemen had done, and it is really cool. And I am in, I, I did screenshots. I'm inspired. I have a, a digital file of all the ideas that you guys have shared in your book. And I think the rest of the world, hopefully they're ready for it because it's going to be a lot of fun. Hope so. We're looking yeah. forward. To it. I know that this is the first time. Well, we've never written books before. This is a first. Tell us about that. What inspired you to write Classical Shindig, and obviously you're great entertainers, but what inspired you to, to even, because it's a lot of work, obviously, it's a lot of work to photograph it and write it. Give us a bird's eye view of what the thought process was behind that. Yeah, it took like three years to put this together. It took forever. Had no idea it would take this long, but Quinn can share how it started. Yeah, I think we wanted to kind of preserve some family history. We have some great cooks in my family. I've got an aunt who wrote a cookbook, but... I have a mother and a father who are still around, and we wanted to preserve family history, recipes. We reminisce a lot about entertaining and food. Those are the happiest times when we when we all get together. And um, so we were trying to get my, specifically my mother, to part with some recipes because, you know, food is control. And uh, <laughs> years, she, she's not been uh, forthwith, hmm. but uh, when she heard we were under the uh, gun with publishing and everything. I, I think she she came forward and uh, she did a great job. And I don't know, Michael and I just both, what we have in common, we came from families where we, we sat down at breakfast together and we sat down at dinner together. And um, it's just, you know, the end of the day, exchange of ideas. It was, it was a celebration like every day, a rite of passage. Well, and family means, family and friends mean a lot to where you all are based, which is New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And so tell, and I've never been to a bad party in New Orleans, by the way. I mean, they're all- We all know how to have fun. Pretty off the chain. I completely concur so with that. It's, it's, it almost seems like in your book that New Orleans is a character with you two as your th a third character in the creation of the book and your point of view. Would that be true? Yeah, that's very true. It has a lot to do with our book because we, we um, this is our second house together. The one we have now is built. We'd like to call it the Bellum House because it was not antebellum. It was oh. built right during the war. So it's we call it the Bellum House because it but it's a grand old home. It's got all these soaring ceilings, crown molding. It's got that special look that you really only see in New Orleans and old southern cities. And the house was a double, a side-by-side -side double. It was owned by a woman who threw parties all the time, which is pretty funny. And she rented out the other side and we converted it from a double to a single. Yeah, a double in New Orleans is, some people might refer to it as a, a duplex. Now we had one friend who called it a double wide. It's it's not a double. <laughs> <laughs> he was never invited back, sadly, I'll bet. Oh yeah. We love her. She comes time. coming back. <laughs> house is a great house for throwing receptions and parties. It works. It's really, really a fun place. Well, it also plays a character in your book, too. It's, you know, I've seen your house photographed just from almost every aspect there is. And the way that you have created the different themes of your parties is really fascinating. I know that Rob had a few questions about that. Well, what I really found fascinating kind of looking through the images was the range of the types of things that, you know, that you all throw. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what 
I think what people, um, a lot of people when they get intimidated by entertaining is, is that people feel that they kind of have to be one dimensional in their entertaining. And what I liked as I flipped through the book, I was constantly surprised the various, either it was the attire of it you wore, or it was just the various settings. Talk a little bit about how important, you know, throwing different types of events is to keep, you know, guests engaged and having guests wanting to come back to things that they throw at your home. Yeah, we like variety. And I mean, going back to New Orleans, it's a great city with a with a calendar of events and everyone looks to the calendar for something and for home entertaining. And one thing we do have is, is Mardi Gras, which is a, this fantastic thing that happens after Christmas holidays. Everyone's depressed. And on January 6th, <laughs> our, our carnival season. And it's a, just new excuses to throw parties. But uh, getting back to your uh, your question, you asked me you asked us about um you know, just just throwing, you know, various ranges and various oh, right. Themes, types yeah. of types of parties that really keep your guests wanting to come back to the various different types of things, you know, that that you throw because you do throw a wider range, wide range of various types of events. Yeah, okay. our book is arranged uh, into different sections. So one is called seasonal celebrations. And that's, you know, based on different seasons in the calendar year. You know, in New Orleans, we live in parishes, not counties. So it's a lot of the old church calendars involved. And that's how Mardi Gras gets involved. But, um, you know, Christmas and, and autumn and then spring, that's wonderful. Then we are also members of a book club. And uh, as far as themes are concerned, uh, a book club is, you know, the selection of the month is is usually full of settings and possible things, you know, that could provide interesting menus. Um, and that always makes a great dinner party. And I think we have five or six selections that we used in the book for that. And then nonprofit organizations, uh, if you entertain and volunteer to use your house, usually those uh, organizations will have a theme that they're working with. So it, it becomes, it's easier to incorporate that into your entertaining. It's not that difficult. And plus, if you have somebody you're entertaining, maybe somebody from out of town who has a special interest, let's say a musician, then we'll throw a party and we'll say, OK, it's to celebrate Beethoven and we'll have Beethoven, we'll all play Beethoven's music on the piano or we'll have Austrian food. It's just a challenge to to do something that's a little more thematic. We also we've been doing this recently and we've been finding this is one of the funnest things to do is to get a group of people together and grab a play Mm -hmm. and old coward especially and assign everybody parts and they come in and we read the first part and then we'll do the second part and it's absolutely hilarious even people who are shy and don't think they're actors and who they start reading and everybody laughs because the play speaks for itself uh it, it's a really fun thing to do we've, we've just been doing that in the last few years that's a great idea now do your guests get more talented with more cocktails into the party oh, oh yeah of course for they sure. do. yeah <laughs> the line delivery gets better <laughs> some put in costumes we say you don't have to wear a costume and then they show up with a wearing a housekeeper's outfit or something like that it, it is really a fun thing to do that's a great idea in fact I want to do that I think that's very inspiring so well, how did you, for instance how did you get that inspiration I'm curious I think when I went to Oxford, Oxford University, there was a wonderful Don there who used to give these fun house parties for the whole weekend. And, you know, there was some studying involved, of course, but then he would always assign a play. It was usually Noel Coward and um, assign people roles. And it just it, it was hilarious. It's a great way to get to know other people that you haven't met before. And um, yeah, as as time goes on during the weekend, you end up being really good friends, finding a lot of things you didn't have in common and everybody has a ball. 
and I grew up with a family of game players. Every we had games all the time. Just games oh. were big. And yeah. so we have parlor games after our dinners, which we love to do, trivia stuff or um even charades, it's cutthroat. Charades is one of the greatest parlor greatest house game you can ever play. I mean, it gets I think needed. you really find out about a person with how they play games, first of all, with their uh, competitive level and how and to me personally, how they play charades. And I'm not judgmental at all, but <laughs> Just don't be dumb, right? You got right. No, the party smart and ready to deliver. Be a good guest. That's how I look. You get somebody on your team who's terrible. Oh, it's it's awful. It's painful sometimes, but it's fun. It's still yeah. fun. Everybody laughs. It's not. It's not a. You know. It's not mean. Sure. Well, it can be. Actually, it can be mean. But <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I had a question. You know, you, you you touched upon something earlier. You know, that you host a whole types. You know, whole range of things, including nonprofit events. And, you know, a lot of our listeners are heavily involved in that space. What is, um, you know, for any organization asking, or, and I'm sure you all get asked all the time to host up, what compels you all to say yes when a nonprofit or when someone at, or a friend even asks you to host something in your home? Well, I think you have to have passion for whatever the cause is. I mean, if you don't have passion, it's, it's, it's hard to be authentic. Right. And I think days, it's very, very obvious if you're doing something rote and you're not authentic. So, I mean, you have to be, you have to espouse the values and the mission of the nonprofit. That's, that's very important. Um, but, you know, usually they give you such good ideas of what their anticipation is that they'd like you to do. Um, it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. We're fortunate in that we have, uh, you know, some, some, um, uh, a bartender and uh, a housekeeper who are always available and they they love coming because we have we have really good postmortems after these parties. Oh, I can uh, imagine. Oh yeah, the cleanup is just as fun as the event, maybe oh, yeah. even funner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, what is the what is the wildest thing you have ever uncovered? And and for those those who may not be familiar with the postmortem, that basically just means, you know, the things that you're doing after the event to get your house back to or the venue back to where it was, you know, before the event and also reviewing you know, some of the things that you all talked about so, during the event. So what is kind of the one of the wildest things you all have ever um, enc encountered, uncovered in a postmortem? For me, it's um, two socialite ladies having a cat fight. We had a guy that came a here. To <laughs> we had a man that came here, Robert Sackville West. He came to speak about his beautiful home in England. And he gave a presentation. We threw a dinner party and we threw a lot of people who the organization wanted. It was a nonprofit called Royal Oak Foundation. And some woman didn't recognize another woman. And she said, I'm mortally offended. How dare you not recognize me? I went to your boarding school. And oh, my God, the guy, the poor Englishman was like, I cannot believe what I've just encountered. This is like. Yeah, we, we had to take him out to uh, some some bars after the uh, already late dinner party. And then he, we ended up at Cafe Dumont eating beignets. That's what he wanted. To try to get him uh, <laughs> to cool down. Yep. Oh, man, that was pretty funny. And we also, when we give to nonprofits, we serve on a lot of boards. And OK, selfishly, I serve on a lot of music boards because you get to sometimes meet musicians. New Orleans is a small city. It's not like New York. So, but we get good acts that come really good quartets and chamber music. And I serve on the board and I always volunteer for the hospitality committee, which means sometimes I go pick up the musician at their hotel, famous, yeah. world famous. 
and we'll throw it. We throw it. We like to throw the reception for the pianist because we both play the piano. And we have a tradition where we like them to sign our piano. We get a Sharpie and they sign the harp. So uh, I don't know if a picture of that made it into the book, but our piano has a lot of great, great signatures of uh, big names signing the piano. It's yeah. so cool. That's incredible. Do you ever I mean, how often would you say that you perform at your parties? Because I'm sure it's a request to tickle the ivories. A lot. Everybody wants us to play. And it always happens after food and wine when we're not. Uh, and wine and wine and wine. Yeah, they wait till. Usually we can't tell the black keys from the white keys. <laughs> how about how about breaking into a little list right now? And I need to collect the cell phones and say, do not. Think about recording this, right? Absolutely, <laughs> no videos allowed. No, not after wow. dinner. Well, you know, you know, it, it's. I'm glad you're bringing up, you know, the piano piece because the title of your book, you know, classical shindig, is tied to you know your love of music. Right. So, talk a little bit more about you know the title and the book and kind of how that you know came all to be. Yeah, classical is not a coincidence. Yeah, um, classical. Michael wrote the section on classical. It's at the very beginning of the book. Yep. And then I wrote the section on shindig. So um, yeah, he has a funny shindig story. <laughs> yeah, the shindig uh, goes back to my childhood when my grandmother, she was a big hostess and she used to volunteer her house for all kinds of things. And so uh, and there was going to be a uh, funeral, uh, I guess reception. I don't know uh, what they call these gatherings or something. And I made the mistake of calling it a shindig. And I think she just took offense. <laughs> the shindig might mean, you know, some alcohol, some dancing. And this was a Southern Baptist funeral thing. So wow. uh, she was like, don't ever say that again. <laughs> and, um, you know, she would always commandeer us grandchildren into helping, you know, prepare, you know, prepare for this event. So um, that's how the shindig got to be on the title. And then classical, mm -hmm. Michael. Yeah, I mean, we like classical architecture. We like classical music. I, I don't know. I feel like classicism is something that, that it's a theme that we sort of enjoy. So we mixed the two. We had to think of music and food and we came up with classical and shindig as a as a title. Well, and I love that your chapter titles also are an homage to music with some of your probably favorite favorite songs that help to illustrate the chapters, which is very, very creative, which I wanted to talk about your creativity because hopefully all of our folks listening in are creative, but maybe not. So is there any any like piece of advice that you would share on, on on a novice creating perhaps one of their first few events? What would you recommend to a host who is endeavoring upon an enter entertaining route for their personal life? Um, well, I would say that, um, you know, sometimes the, the planning part of an event is, I don't know, can be the funnest part of all. It can be funner than the event. I mean, I've had a lot of hosts to say that um, picking out what they're going to wear before a party is their favorite part of the party. You okay. know, so I wouldn't be intimidated. I would, you know, look and see what's happening. Is it a book? Is it a piece of music? Or what are all the friends? What are the friends have in common? What brought all these people together? And right. usually find a thread or if you can't find it that way, look outside. What is the season? I mean, you know, if it's autumn, you can go for those beautiful red, you know, brown, uh, yellow, orange palette. Or if it's spring, bring the outdoors in, bring in the, you know, blooming azaleas, flowers. Um, and before you know it, you know, you, you've got your party covered. Got it. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Michael. So when we started, I, I had a small apartment. I had just finished law school. I had my first job. I was not making a lot of money. 
And I ended up having people come over to the apartment for food all the time. And I thought, like, I, I don't know why I was not that intimidated, because I would have people with a lot of money or people with means. They didn't care. And so I really do think I, I mean, our book's not an advice book. It's not a how to give a party because I'm not a chef. I mean, we're not we're not this is not our job to be entertainers or to throw parties. It's just something fun. So, but I do find that anyone loves to be invited to somebody else's house and they don't care. You get Popeye's fried chicken and you might put it in China and everybody's happy to be at somebody else's house house because uh, a lot of people are afraid to bring others in their house and they're intimidated. I mean, I say, don't be, it's really fun to be invited to another house. It's, I love it. I love yeah, that. The Duchess, of, uh, Duchess of Windsor had had some interesting quotes about this. And, um, you know, actually, I think the the pressure and the stress is really on the guests, because as she says, nobody has the right to come to a party and sit there like a piece of furniture. You know, if you accept a dinner invitation, you have a moral obligation to be amusing. So, uh, you know, with practice and over time, I, I think anybody can entertain and um the pressure really is on the guests. <laughs> right. Well, that leads me to my next question, because a lot of people, especially for a seated dinner party, they get all caught up in the seating arrangement, right? Of who sits next to whom, who will be interested in, in whomever. Do you guys have any secrets to seating that you can share with us and our listening audience? Well, go ahead. You first. Well, I think... Um... I, th I think it's important to uh, separate couples as a rule, unless unless it's a real insecure person. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, I mean, I'm a doctor. The other thing I try to be cognizant of is, uh, you know, some people may may not have hearing in the ear. They'll usually tell you or something like that uh, ahead of time. But I think I think mixing things up provides for more interesting conversation. Okay. Um, I certainly, if we have out-of-towners, I don't like putting too many New Orleans people together because they'll gossip about people in town. So that's not always good to have. And we also, we seem to always throw dinners and put name place cards. You can write it on a post-it note. It doesn't really matter, but we like to have designated spots. So when somebody walks into a room, they don't say, tell us where to sit. And then they and don't their long pause and, and it's awkward. <laughs> it really makes all these formal things... Uh, really make they they came into being because they make life easy right. easier yeah that's exactly right there and you know i want to touch on a couple of things you both brought up earlier and you know quinn i think what you brought up about the planning being as fun as the actual event itself because you know as you know lance and i get to go to lots of different things we can always tell if a host is having fun so i think the fact that you know you bringing up that you have to have fun with it through the entire process is extremely important. And Michael, I love what you brought up about a great party has a great mix of people. And mm -hmm. if you, so long as you have a great mix of people, it doesn't matter what you serve. Like you gave fast food as an, you know, as, as an example of that. So, you know, talk about, talk about why um, having a mix is so important. And just having a good mix and a good attitude coming in. Oh, I think it is important. Yeah, it's it's nice to have um, it, uh, the mix is good, and it's nice to have somebody who, but who you know might get along with somebody else, and you're sort of setting them up for for friendship. I just had a party. We had a friend's birthday, and um, 
I put two people whose mother was from the same little town in Arkansas. And I thought, you all need to meet each other because you're from the, you both have roots in the same little town called Magnolia, Arkansas. So I throw this dinner and I put the two of them next to each other. Well, they're best friends suddenly. They're doing everything together and their grandmothers knew their grandmothers, that sort of thing. I think it's fun. It's fun to, I don't want to put two people who are opposite political spectrum and get them talking about no, politics. No, well, you know That's what? We don't want to talk about politics. We don't want that. We've seen that destroy families. And uh, so, no, we totally steer away from conversation uh uh, like that, because I think that can be, you know, devastating, not only to a dinner party, but yeah. to, to the rest of the week for everybody at the table. Yeah. And dinner parties also are meant to be fun. And that's not necessarily a fun topic. Whereas growing up in the same town and realizing your grand grandmothers were friends, that's a much more fun element that brings out all kinds of different types of size of your personality that aren't something that is easily recognized or noticed the second you walk into a room. Yeah. If they don't like each other, put them on the same charades team. <laughs> there you go. Well, we have a, 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 a high-flying socialite pal who entertains for like three to 400 in her home. She has an indoor pool and so she's seating around that. And so she's, I, I asked her the same question off the record and she said, uh, you know, and this again for larger events, uh, she says, put all the boring people together. They don't know they're boring. They'll be fine. Oh, you know, cool. Instead of mixing, you know, an extrovert and an introvert and seeing, you know, how that usually doesn't work out that great. So I think that you guys with the instinct that you have with seating makes total sense to me for sure. Well, that's a good idea. I'm going to remember. That. <laughs> well, but, but it's also different to Lance's point. It's also different doing an at-home dinner party, you know, when it's, you know, 10, 20, 25 people versus 400, you know, the calculus and kind of how you're going to approach yeah. the guests and kind of where and how they're going to be seated is going to be remarkably different. So, you know, would you guys, would you all mind sharing kind of how you may approach certain types of events at di in different ways at your home? Oh, I know exactly what we do. If we have a dinner, we only fit enough to sit around to sit around our table. That's it. We don't have huge dinner parties. We don't have a house that big for it. But we well, do, I, yeah. I, I honestly I can't stand people eating around the house. I really want yeah. you eating at the table. I can't stand. Yeah, I, I have uh, too much of a passion for textiles and invested sure. too much in them for somebody <laughs> to like spill something burrito. <laughs> couch or something oh, right, right. <laughs> our, our method is we figured out the best way to do it is when we entertain with a, with like 70 plus people let's just say it's a reception we put all the food in the dining room and it's all finger food you pick it up with your finger and eat it and you don't have plates on couches with with oh. stuff falling everywhere it really works i Good. love it though yeah i love that sit down dinner i i just like you know it's for people fun. to be seated and um you know, we have chairs. I think the chair is important. My parents have Chippendale chairs and they have, uh, you know, it's not the easiest back to sit in for, for a prolonged period of time. We have a cushioned back chair and I think that encourages more more of a relaxed you know, environment and people want to linger and stay. And I think that's important. Gotcha. Let me ask you this. Do you guys have a, I, I know it's like choosing your favorite child, but do you have a favorite event that you've hosted that that you can give us a little bit more detail on? Oh, wow. Um, a lot of favorite one. Well, I love, I mean, we both love Christmas uh, mm -hmm. for sure. Thanksgiving is great. You know, I'm fortunate I have a uh, family. I come from a family of hunters. So uh, we have access to uh, Arkansas dove and duck and the wild game aspect of the evening. I mean, everybody loves that. Wow. Everybody. Okay. I think my favorite so far, 
all these unexpected things occurred. Quinn's mother turned 80 and we threw this seafaring theme. Everybody came as- It was like, a mermaid. Yeah. Party, really. So he, we hired mermaids from this costume. <laughs> well, I don't even know this. I have no idea who this mermaid showed up. And I they think got, they were burlesque <laughs> yes, people. They got in the swimming oh, pool. They got in the pool with their fans and stuff. It was going really well to him. One of the mermaids recognized somebody else and she was like, hey, Al. And Al's wife is like, uh, Al, how, how do you, you know, know this, this woman? <laughs> oh my! How do you God. know this mer person? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was hilarious. And then it rained and then everybody's in the rain and mermaids were in the pool splash. It was really, really unexpected. Somebody, you know, was Ursula the Sea Witch. We had, all of us were in Gilligan's Island themes. It, it turned out to be just every adversity turned into a positive. It was really fun. And the reason, the whole reason behind that is my, uh, it was my mother's 80th birthday. We had a luau for their 60th anniversary with an Elvis. You can't say Elvis impersonator or they'll quit. You have to call, they're called Elvis. Um, I don't know the new term. It's ETA Elvis. <laughs> oh God, not um, <laughs> impersonator. Interpreter. But yeah. impersonator, they they get highly yeah. offended. Oh gosh, so, I had no idea. I, guess, I didn't want to see all their friends wearing the typical clothes that they would wear going to Sunday school or to a funeral. I just, I couldn't stand tribute it. Tribute so, artist, right? Yeah, Elvis tribute mm -hmm. artist. That's what it is. There you so uh yeah we we usually hire some some wild unexpected entertainment my parents loved elvis and then um you know have people come in luau costumes and you know this 80 octogenarian group i mean they, they're having a ball mm -hmm. picking out costumes and participating so those were really fun those are really fun and i think they 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 felt young they looked young they were you know rocking and rolling so new, new orleans is a big event destination place so you have uh, places here that rent out actors to come and do stuff. Quinn's father had a birthday party and he hired a Marilyn Monroe lookalike to come out of a, 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 um, a box. Yes. I oh. mean, she was dressed for gentlemen prefer blonde. She had the, um, <laughs> um, you know, when she diamonds are a girl's best friend. So she was, yeah. in the, and the whole restaurant was like a god while she was out of the box. My dad was either going to get mad and storm out, or he was going to laugh. Fortunately, he laughed. But I'm telling you, it was really, <laughs> it was really a ride. Touch and go. That's and that book, we gave that a double praise spread in the book because it was so funny. I remember that absolutely. That, that's fun. Well, I, I took away two things from that. One is what Michael said is just kind of roll. You know, when things happen, just kind of roll with it. And two to talk about what Quinn said, um, when the mermaid started talking and recognized a friend, always make sure if you have someone performing at your house, tell them not to break character in advance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you here? Here's another Goombay smash. Mm -hmm. up. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's awesome. So, you know, yeah. talk about, you know, I'm not from the South and there is just something about the way that people from the South entertain and they just, People from the South just know how to make everyone feel welcome. How has your experience growing up in the South influenced what you create, yeah. the way you entertain, and have people in your home? Well, I grew up in um, Memphis, Tennessee during the week. My dad had, had a construction business, but on the weekends, we were always at my grandparents in Arkansas. And it was Mississippi County, Arkansas, Osceola, Arkansas specifically. And that was just a magical community where people as a community and uh, and friends would get together. So if they had an event like a wedding, um, the whole community would kind of, you know, come together. They'd bring food or flowers or whatever, whatever needed to 
whatever needed to happen. So it was a, it was really a fun, magical place that involved, uh, you never gave a party alone. I mean, people were always helping, just like the uh, shindig that my grandmother threw, you know, after somebody died. I mean, it was right. tons of covered dishes came in and, and people were so helpful. So I think that's, that's really what it's about for me, as opposed to um, you know, there's nothing wrong with having everything catered. And sometimes when uh, things um, get too crazy, I'm a doctor and obstetrician, Michael, a lawyer, mm -hmm. we we call a caterer for this, that and the other. Sure. But we try to have some things that we that we create ourselves and, and um, other people will bring food and stuff. I think it adds a personal touch that makes people feel, you know, they appreciated you took the time and you put effort into it. And um, I think they appreciate it. Now, when you mentioned the South, uh, it is pretty interesting. The South's not tiny. It's a it's a big area. And we Quinn and I grew up in different Souths. He grew up in country South and I was really city South. So, I mean, we had we didn't say I'm fixing to go do things in New Orleans. We didn't have that accent. Our, our local accent is almost like a Brooklyn, New York sound. It has a sound to it that's really unique compared to the rest of the South. And we had um oysters and shrimp and all these creole dishes and we we entertained in a very kind of city fashion kids start drinking really too early here and we're used to going to dance we went to lessons to learn how to dance and they're we had that you we did their debutante parties and stuff it, it is kind of a but in the country it is different i mean they hunt and fish a lot more even though people do go do that but it, it is it's a in the food's different they have this great cornbread dressing that's some of the best i've ever had i love it and we have our oyster dressing in the in the thanksgiving how do you think that that city and your different city and country upbringings how do you you know especially for a couple entertaining how do you successfully fuse two different points of view as certainly your you know grow, growing up experiences being different how do you fuse those so that you both feel like the party is you oh you embrace the best of it like quinn's brother can duck hunt with his kids and they come and bring this duck and then you they his uncle has the most amazing duck recipe with wine and we don't we don't have good duck this is the best duck ever and so we love to bring our new orleans friends and say look what we have you're not used to this come come try uncle vin's duck recipe and it's nice to bring what people here don't locally have to bring bring to them and show them kind of what, what what's in Arkansas that we don't have here. I'm from the Mid-South, so that's uh, Tennessee, Mississippi, Arkansas. And so when they come visit, they want seafood. Right. I mean, they're really disappointed if they don't get fish. Crab. Mm -hmm. Crab meat, lump crab meat, and big Gulf, Gulf Coast oysters. But at the same time, we integrate, you know, the, the wild game and uh, cornbread dressing. And, you know, Julia Reed came to our house plenty of times. And uh, one oh. time she took off with my Uncle Ben's uh, duck dressing and half of the Jezebel sauce and just walked mm. out the back door. <laughs> Is that something? <laughs> wow. It's such a loss that she's no longer on this planet. She was such a I great person. God, she was funny. But she had days. such a presence. I still feel her all the time, you know, because uh, we have that Mid-South heritage and um, she loved entertaining and cooking and uh, and sharing so, she was an incredible southern hostess she posted she knew how to entertain and it's it was effortless she just walked around and drank bourbon and everybody seemed it all seemed to work <laughs> it never seemed frazzled at all so it, it was she was i kind of watched her in action and i tried to try to imitate how she how she hosted a party she was marvelous so always have a bourbon in hand is that a tip 
Yeah. Well, I think a pre a preprandial cocktail is always helpful. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It'll be, uh, you also have to be flexible. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Sometimes we'll have a dinner party and the table is set. I always set the table. I do the crystal china silver glass and flowers. And I do it usually two, at least two days beforehand because I may have a delivery. I may have to deliver a baby. And if the table's sure. not good and people are walking in the door, that's a real that's a real disaster yeah so at least if you're entertaining you should always get that done early um and you know then you can you can relax and maybe cater a few items and and then have a few that you that you've made yourself and i would always have some um you know backup plans too because even the best of chefs have had a disaster you know um we had one once and you know we asked for help and this other cooking person was at the party and they're like yikes dial uh dine one one you know <laughs> dine one one <laughs> i mean one time i forgot to turn the oven on just totally oh. forgot having fun you know oh my god you know you figure out ways I, no one cares i think everybody's happy to be in your house they'll they'll deal a quick reminder that Classical Shindig by Michael Harold and Quinn Peeper is available on August 29th from Susan Schott Press, and it's available at finer booksellers everywhere. And so appreciated you're sharing the secrets today with us, for sure. Well, thanks. And come on uh, to New Orleans. We'll be glad to have you for a Classical well, Shindig. shindig. <laughs> I'm not coming to New Orleans without calling you Absolutely not. Sure. And, <laughs> you know, the fun thing was, you know, and people didn't hear this, but when we were in the green room, um, we have several people in common. Yeah. And, you know, for anyone who, you know, when you're talking with people in other parts of the country or people you may have never met before, always look to connect the dots. And, and the thing that I appreciate about everything you two were talking about today, there was a level or an element of connecting dots mm -hmm. in making sure that um, guests are entertained, that everyone has a good time and, you know, to make everything light and fun. So thank you all and congratulations on the book. Thanks so Thanks much. so much. We're excited to know y'all and look forward to more books down the way. I know it took three years in the making, but we can't wait for the next one after this one. We're thinking about it. We actually have something in the making. Oh, good. Oh, that's exciting. Didn't ex did not expect to hear that. So that is fantastic. Well, <laughs> with the next book, you'll have to come on and be a guest again. We hope you'll Absolutely. do that. We're happy to support Love you. We'll see you in Texas as well. We're free that weekend. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that will do it for our combined episode of Success with Style and the Fun and Fundraising Podcast. I'm Lance Avery Morgan. And I'm Rob Giardinelli, reminding you to keep it fun, keep it interesting, and your guests will have a great time. Have a great day, everyone, and take care. <laughs>